Podcast. This is about as far from a milestone episode as you could be, folks. It's a bit like the day after Christmas. Um, we're back talking live TV, movies, and professional wrestling again. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always, as always, by my ever dependable co hosts. First of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Hello there. And also, Mr. Paul Griffin. Hello. Lads, it's gonna you know, we've got a bit of a recurring feature here on this podcast. A uh, mm. uh more cons- <coughs> more consistent than the wrestling talk. It's still hot. It is. Tingo scra Except man, heat wave. man is hot. Oh uh, man's man's ain't needed a jacket for seg- several week babes. Yeah, five, uh, five plus five, uh, double that, and that's the temperature, isn't it? But more, because <laughs> it's hot. It's very, yeah. very warm. And it won't yeah. stop. It just won't stop. It's the new summer of love. It's going to be a hot, long Indian summer. Every time it seems um, like, oh, it's cooling down a little bit. Next day, it's even higher. <laughs> <sighs> Man. And let me tell you, uh, I'll talk about it later on, but I did not enjoy being in the Tivoli Theatre for three hours yesterday night. It was it was the smelliest I've ever felt as a person. Right. Um, and I feel like there was other people around me having a similar milestone. <laughs> um, God, it was hot and smelly in that building. God, it really was. Um, yeah, so it's, fuck, it's fucking roasting still. Um and like, what are we at? Like right now, as I do this, 22, 22 degrees right now in Limerick, which would have been like this would have been the peak of our summer. I feel like a couple of years ago, whereas whereas now it is actually kind of like it feels almost mild, even though it's not. Like it's just oh my god. Um. So yeah, we're soldiering on for you, the dear listener. Um, as we enter. Uh, well, I suppose as we enter the next week, which is World Cup final week, is that correct, lads? Is the final like next week? Next Sunday. So there will be no no show on Sunday because we'll have to do it on the Monday. Uh, Where's that? No, what, what we should do. England, what England. we should this is do. a World Cup final on. True. Oh, but none of us are in it. You know. I am actually going to Moscow. So. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well. You can do some like you can do some on on the scene reporting for for us. Nah. From uh, have have you seen? Show. Have you lads seen what the Progress Wrestling lads are doing on Sunday? Did you see this? No. They, in their infinite wisdom, scheduled a show for Sunday, even though it was known to be the World Cup final days. Uh, what? Uh, literally years in advance, was it? Oh yeah. Uh, Two, yeah. Now, fair enough, they probably didn't know England had a chance of being in it. But, e- but even still, it's a thing people like to watch. 
Um, so someone uh, questions them and says, uh, "Lads, what are you going to do if England are in the final? Your, your show literally clashes with uh, with the start time." And they goes, uh, "We'll start the show a bit early. We'll take intermission for the dur- for the entire duration of the World Cup final, and then we'll do the second half of the show." And a lot of people went, "Are you fucking mental?" Some of us have trains and buses and fucking. Oh my. And and if there's extra time and penalties, that's another forty five yeah, minutes. Which there has been a lot of thus far. We'll do, we'll do a two hour intermission for the, the two and a half hour intermission for the match. It'd be grand. And then you have to watch Travis Banks in the main event. I mean it's like, it's like <laughs> After England lose. After England lose. Like, oh like so that's genius. Rev Prove had their head screwed on, they just they just rescheduled their event. Like we're not gonna I d I don't know why they booked it to begin with, but they're like we're not gonna put a show on on fucking World Cup. You know, final day, so that was funny. But yeah, so uh, England are persevering. They uh, uh, they it was only two 0 but it still felt like a thrashing. I think they thrashed Sweden. Sweden were dreadful. Um, yeah, uh, uh, yesterday uh, I was watching that in the pub before OTT with a lot of Englishmen who were very rowdy. It's very upsetting to be honest. I was like, I was like please, a bit of decorum. Some of us are hungover. I was in town uh, on um, on match day, and I saw a lot of Swedes going into the wool shed. So that's that's the funny thing is that we deliberately well no some of them actually some of our kind of crew who eventually met up with us for OTT they went to the woolshed which I guess is my fault because I've conditioned these people to think there's one place you can go in Dublin for beer and chicken wings. Hang on, um, we'll get a little bed going here. Hang on, we'll get a little what? Little bed going. Oh God! Go on, you're saying. So so I I was like you, you know we don't go to the woolshed. Because it's going to be disgusting with people, just rammed wall to wall with people because it's one of the go-to kind of places in Dublin for watching a match. And, and sure enough, it was right. So some of us, we went somewhere else and then half the group kind of went, specifically the British half, went to the woolshed. And they did, in fact, inform us that it was insane. Um, and I did see, I actually saw a photo of a, of a collection of, is Swedes the right word? I don't believe that's the right phrase. What would you call it? What? It's Swedish people, I believe. I don't think Swedes. No, the Swedes. Swedes is a vegetable, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's also what? that, yes. But it's, a Swede is somebody from from Sweden. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, we went we went somewhere else anyway because we did envision the woolshed would be packed. Um, I mean, you would never but, see a vegetable uh, in the woolshed. I, I certainly, I certainly wouldn't, uh, <laughs> unless you count like smushed. Unless up you got in the kitchen. It's. Oh. I, you know, <laughs> Well, have you seen some of the clientele? <laughs> have you seen me with a hungover having to be force-fed uh, chicken wings? Um, but, uh, um... <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, we watched the game. Anyway, what was, the, what was the atmosphere like where you were, Joe? I imagine it was pretty good. Um, actually, the Sweden game was fairly subdued. Well, well the, like the game. Like yeah, the game, so. yeah, because they were, we kind of bossed it, and you know we scored in the first half, got the second goal fairly early in the second half, or after an hour or something. I was never really um, particularly anxious. I thought we would we would see it out and it'd be fine. There was definitely kind of an air um, of inevitability about it. I think that kind mm. of, yeah, Sweden just didn't offer anything. Uh, yeah, they didn't have a lot to offer. Um, contrast that with the Colombia game, which. That was this week, wasn't it? That was on Tuesday. Yeah. I think. Yeah. There's two, two, two England games since we last spoke. 
World Cup weeks are, are like months. You can't, yeah, they just pass by. Um, yeah, the Columbia game was highly emotional um, because we thought we'd won it and then it was snatched away. And then, of course, the penalty shootouts where as soon as it went to penalties, I was kind of like, well, that's it. You know, that's all over. Another year, another kind of disappointment. England got out of the tournament early. Nothing to look forward to for the next two weeks. Another kind of set of headlines and, and stories going forward of of disappointment and failure and humiliation. Uh, and then they won. And I couldn't really believe it. I was quite emotional, I'll be honest. Uh, I really didn't expect it. And then it happened. And that was great. And then after that, going into the Sweden game, all the kind of nerves had gone. So, you know, that, that one was quite chilled. So, yeah, it's coming home. Have England been in the semi-finals of the World Cup before? 1990. Oh. 1990. Uh, 1966. And 1966, obviously, yeah. So it's the third, third time. It's pretty good. Right, well, in 66, I don't think there were semi The format, the competition was a different back then. Well, um, well... But they were in 1990, wasn't. were they? Was that, yeah. the, that was the year Gaza cried, I believe, 1990. Uh, that was, yes, the famous... Gaza crying, uh, Chris Waddle hit a penalty miles over the bar, and Gary Lineker uh, pointed and said, keep an eye on him. Uh, and that, that clip's been replayed a lot. Uh, yeah, so that was the last time they made it. And of course, 1996, we were in the European Championship semi-final. I cried. Yeah, I cried after that match. Uh, when oh, Gareth missed the penalty. So did I. So did I. Gareth, the little lad there, had the balls to step up, take the penalty, missed it. Turned around, took a really big deep breath, and I I cried. I was eleven years old. Because I now here he is. I was supporting England that year because I knew all the players, obviously from the Premier League. I didn't know any of the other players from any of the other teams, so they were like my team. And then Southgate missed a penalty, and I I remember vividly crying. Um, yeah, the disappointment was so much to take. I I would have been nineteen ninety six summer. I would have been seven years old. Is that mm. right? Mm. Nine, six. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, seven. Go seven going on eight. Yeah. That was too much for my, my little fragile mind to take. It was very sad. Um but little did we know that Southgate had Southgate had a little waistcoat on under his jersey that day. <laughs> and that's led him to where he is today, England in the semi-finals, a fairly winnable semi-final, you must say, based on what I watched. Uh, the dr- that dross last night. Um, yeah, Croatia couldn't beat Denmark or Russia in in normal time. I mean, that's not particularly impressive. No, and they had uh, looked impressive early on, especially the yeah. Uh, the or, or were Argentina win. just really shit? <laughs> Well, that too, to be fair. A little bit of that, but yeah. And they did only beat Iceland 2-1. So, uh. it, is, it is now coming to a point, a, re- a realistic point, despite all kind of the the easy route talk from earlier on. We're, we're mm. now at a realistic point. England might very well be in the World Cup final. It could be. It's one game, you know. Um, I think it'll be tight. Croatia are good, but they are only... Um, they did have to come through the playoffs to get to the World Cup. They finished second in their group behind Iceland. Um, and, like I say, last two games not been that impressive. I think they're ranked 
24th in the world. They're not, you know... Well, you're only as good as your last game anyway. Wow. And they'll be knackered from playing essentially four hours. And all their players are injured by the end of the game. All hobbling around. Good. 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 Uh, Yeah, it's all kind of set up for England to to knock them out. Just just need to focus. Keep focus, keep believing. And I think they can do it. And then play France in the final. You don't think Belgium? Fuck the Belgium. Belgium were very, <laughs> Belgium were not, very good against Brazil. In fairness. It's not even a real country, Belgium. It's bits of up France and Holland stapled together. Yeah. What's that? It's bollocks. It's very much a Frankenstein's um, monster of a country. Yeah, shit. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be very exciting. It would be nice on, on one hand because we, ha- we had England-Belgium earlier on but it wasn't a real England-Belgium match so for that to turn out to be well, the they final knew. they knew they didn't want to shoot their wad early so they you know yeah. put the B teams out and then save the big save the stars for the, the main event you know what I mean yeah yeah. yeah. You, do, you, you don't get the rock back for a house show he does the Wrestlemania one exactly he's uh, anyway what if England do win <laughs> now, then we come uh, to it you won't probably hear from me for a couple of weeks. <laughs> now, on a bender. We're in Trafalgar Square, in a fa- swimming in a fountain for two weeks. Um, Will uh, Skinner and Badil release another it's, it's Come Home song or something? Um, yeah. Or maybe they'll just do a new video. How many times have they released three lines? Officially? I think three times. Only the three um, money grabbing yeah. bastards. Yeah, go on. Yeah, it's yeah. The, here's the PlayStation Four remaster. <laughs> it's the Skyrim of England uh, World Cup songs. <laughs> Nationalistic anthems. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that'd be very exciting. Anyway, I'm just you know I don't want to get too carried away. It's just one game at a time. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. My uh, hopes and dreams are riding on France to win uh, because I'll win money if they do and possibly a prize at work. Um, But, you know, as we mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago, England are the official team of the podcast. Since it's an an Anglo-Irish podcast. Anglo being a a prefix I made up just now. Um, yeah, I think I think you're right there, Paul. And I also found out in the week that Harry Kane is actually half Irish. Um, oh. His dad was born in Galway, so oh, yeah. he he follows very much in the footsteps of great Anglo-Irish uh, collaborations like uh, Father Ted, Live Aid, The Chair Shop Podcast, <laughs> you know, Northern Ireland, you know, all the great collabos. <laughs> <laughs> and now Harry Kane is going to bring home the World Cup, mainly for England, but also a little bit for Ireland. You see? There we go. Yeah. Um, so fingers well, crossed. They're, they're trying to lull us into a false sense of security here. <laughs> they're trying to get us back, like like a like a like a DX reunion. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, Sad, I'm sad. a bit disappointed that there hasn't been yet a wrestling version of the "It's Coming Home" meme, because I feel that would be ripe. You know, you could have some a promo interrupted by the three uh, lines video and the music. You know, yeah, like, like, 
like one of those remixes on YouTube where it's Benoit coming back to face Seth Rollins. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Where they have yeah, someone doing an interview and then very crudely 240p footage of Benoit coming out. <laughs> yeah, do that, do that, but with Badil and Skinner. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Be great. But uh, yeah, so that's Kopkoff. Uh, uh, for the week we'll be back so obviously Wednesday is the England game yes um, so and then Saturday is the third place play playoff and then Sunday is the final so yeah probably yeah no show next week uh, we will figure it out we'll do something else uh, at a later date so yeah um, just on the life golf I was up in Dublin for the weekend um, for the wrestling two wrestling shows this weekend um, and went to a new eatery. I didn't just go to Five Guys in the Wool Shed. At the Wool Shed, I did branch out. Uh, I went to <clears throat> a place. I don't know if you've been there yet, Paul. I went to Token. Uh, uh, I know of Token. I haven't been in uh, Dublin Seven. And let me tell you, so Token is a barcade that serves food. Uh, so you know, it's it's got a, a collection of arcade games and pinball machines. First of all, I have to say, very impressed with the collection of games they had. It was really cool. Uh, and they all looked to be original cabinets. I think they'd been modernized to take token tokens. Like, that you have to, you don't put money into them. You have to buy tokens and so forth. Um, but other than that, they, to me, to the naked eye, they looked like they were like original uh, um, uh, machines. They had Mario Kart Arcade GP, which I had never seen with my own two eyes. I didn't even realize that it was available outside of Japan. I'd never seen uh-huh. one of them. Uh, they had Donkey Kong, Space Invaders, Mortal Kombat 2, Tekken Tag Tournament, uh, Dance Dance Revolution, Time Crisis, uh, the Simpsons arcade game, the X-Men arcade game, almost any kind of classic staple of your childhood arcade game that you could think of from a couple of different generations uh, were all there. So it's not a big place, but they, they, they've they really got... And there's a WWF WrestleMania arcade machine as well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so really great collection of games for their space. So that was good. And uh, the reason we went there, of course, not just to play the games, we got some food. That was kind of our, 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 our meal for the day before OTT. Uh, and I have to say... The food was tremendous, tremendous. It was like some of the best food I've had in Dublin in I don't know how long. Um, they had a they had a, a nice menu of like you know they do hot dogs, they do sliders, they do uh, you know chicken tenders and tacos and variety of things. Uh, but it was really really good stuff. I recommend you go there. I think I think you would, you would like its food quite a lot. Uh, they got like dressed fries as well, all kinds of stuff. All right. Uh, so big gigantic thumbs up. Maybe you and I will go there someday. We can uh, I don't know play some Mortal Kombat, you know. Um, oh, uh, we could, we could do burger that. bets all... We could do burger bets all day long on, like, Time Crisis. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so I got I got me some uh, buffalo sauce chicken tenders oh, yeah. um, and some smoked brisket fries. Oh. Oh. Extremely fucking tasty. Um uh, yeah, so that is top notch. I would I give recommend. And so they do a meal deal where it's like I think twenty euro or up or twenty two if you want to get a dressed fries like a fancy side, um, and that gets you um, uh, a main, a side, uh, unlimited refills on a, a non alcoholic drink, and I think you get five or ten tokens with that. So you get some tokens with your meal, which is cool. Right. Uh, yeah. So so any uh, Dublin people who who could get to Dublin Seven. 
we like the old arcades. Uh, good stuff out of them. So, yeah, it's just uh, in, uh, it in Smithfield. I'm just looking up. Smithfield, there. that's correct. Yeah. But that's where my favourite cinema in Dublin is, in Smithfield. What's your favourite cinema? Uh, Lighthouse Cinema. Hmm. If, you're ever in, if, you're ever, if you ever have a few hours to kill in Dublin and you're in the Smithfield yeah. area, go to the Lighthouse, check out a movie. Lovely cinema. Um, yeah, so we went there and then we went to Generator, which was a kind of hostile uh, bar across the way. Yeah. Uh, so obviously there was a very diverse collection of people in there, including a lot of English. Um, yeah, so I had a great old time in, in Dublin. Sun was splitting the rocks, of course. And I saw two very good wrestling shows that I'll talk about later on in the show. Um, but that is the old life cough for me this week. Um, anyone, anyone, I, anyone else had a life? Um, what else have we been up to this week? We had our kind of big, well, not big, we had our summer party at work on Friday. Um, it's a bit different because it's not really a summer party. We just um, go kind of have like an away day. And in the morning, we just listen to like the bosses kind of talk about the year that just gone and the year ahead and some other bits and pieces. And then about one o'clock, we just all go to the pub for the rest of the day. Mm. And so that was nice as the weather's so nice. We kind of sat outside in the pub and enjoyed some free drinks and, and food. So that was nice. Um, didn't mean I missed the football, but yeah, you know, it's only Brazil and France. Who wants to watch that? Crap. Yeah. Yeah. And you can watch England. Um, <laughs> yeah so it was good I didn't get too drunk you know the good thing is about the summer party you start at one o'clock so get drunk by about ten and you know you're out of it you go home sleep it off you're fine Christmas party you're starting late you see so you're rushing you're doing everything late you get drunk you feel like shit the next day this is why we should move Christmas to July Okay, <laughs> that's my proposal. Anyway, yeah, I think that's it for me. Stuff. All right, well, I had a tough uh, work week. Tough old week. Tough old week of work. Um, for those who don't know, I'm a team lead on the IT desk for a pretty big company, I suppose. Uh, and yeah, unfortunately, one of the clients that we support is moving on away. And so that means that we have to reduce the old headcount on the desk. Oh, no. Ooh, oh, so. no. Did I no want to hear that? Ooh, so I, I'm in the, the, or I was in the lovely position of giving the good and bad news. Um, oh, fuck. Which hell. is fairly heartbreaking in some cases. Um, <laughs> Only fairly. Uh, it, it's you know, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I mean, to me specifically. Falls like good news, oh, yeah. bad news. Good news and bad news. Um, bad news is you don't have a job. Good news, it's coming home. So you know what? <laughs> well, actually, actually, in a, a funny David Bread style um, happenstance, right? Um. It was on Friday afternoon that I had to do this. So it was like 2 p.m. on Friday, right? So I spent 45 minutes taking people one-on-one, -on -one, talking to them about the situation. And uh, then I fucked off home early to watch the football match. Oh. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Oh. oh. <laughs> and, and you said to him, well, lads, 
you lads could probably do with the overtime, couldn't you? Um, wait, would you just cover my desk for a few hours? <laughs> Goodbye. Um, I, I'll pay you under the table. How about that? Tax man won't be getting any of that. So uh, yeah, that was that was that was tough. Though that's like the toughest thing I think I've had to do in my little burgeoning career thus far. Mm. Um, we did we did have a lady from HR involved as well, but it was just like just very tough, just very tough. Um, and then aside from that, the next uh, mundane part of my week, uh, Natty and myself went to IKEA today. Oh gosh. And I bought, hello, a new memory foam pillow for the old bed. Because mm. my fil- my, my uh, existing pillow is gone all smelly and rancid, so I got a new one. Oh, yeah. Yes. So I have a new fresh, <laughs> and rancid. New fresh pillow. Rancid. I will <laughs> try it out today. It has started going yellow. It was that, it was like really I, just, I mean, maybe you should have replaced it sooner. Not to be overly critical. Yeah, but, it, it's you know. kind of like when, when you have that toothbrush that is just the bristles are sideways on it. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> like, I suppose time is to buy a new one. So I got a lovely new uh, new pillow. So I'm going to try that out tonight, obviously. Mm. Um, and here's the kicker. I bought a plug for a USB cable. But you can put three Ooh. USB cables in it. Ah, oh, mate, handy. Wow. <laughs> oh, I bought some new runners in the week as well. That are very nice. Wow. I bought some uh, blue Adidas runners. They were down from 85 euro to 40 euro. So that were a reet bargain, so it was. Yeah, good deal. Good deal, good deal. Um, and then I made some other minor purchases, which I, we talk about a little bit later. But um, yeah, all in all, a very sweaty, a very mind heavy. Uh, hot week in the old Griffin house. I'm also flying solo today. Natty is off in her parents' house, so she ain't here. Much like Brazil, she's gone home. Am I right? And then, and then when she's when she's coming back here, I can put on three lions. Coming home. Yeah. Um, can I just say as well, as an Irish man, I feel I feel the need to admit that I think Three Lions is quite a catchy song. Oh, no, yeah. it is. It is. Yeah, of course. But yeah. ironically, I think I I quite like it. Well, yeah. Yeah, Frank Frank Skinner, one of the you know, songwriters of a generation. Frank Skinner, not a bad singer. David Baddiel, totally tone deaf. Oh yeah. And yeah, he's, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a comedian, Paul. It's his job to be funny. I mean, he's not especially good at that either. But you know, I mean, you know, he's not a singer. Is the point? <laughs> David Baddiel is not a porn star. Brian. All right, continuing on. We got that established. I forgot. I started to do a Simpsons reference. I forgot what it was. My Homer is not. Yeah, Homer. He's not a porn. He's a communist. Uh, he's not a porn star. Maybe a communist. He may be a comedian, but he's not a porn star. There we go. Edit that. It'll sound good. Mm. <laughs> Joe is unconvinced. He's, he's not taking any besmirching of three lines. He's not having it. What's our next segment, then? 
do we want to do? Suppose I'll just briefly mention Telly Golf because I appear to be the only one who watched the Telly this week. Um, I resubscribed to Amazon Prime because oh, uh, Preacher's back, and that's how you watch it in this country. Uh-huh. Uh, it's good. First episode's really good, keeping the pace going from the from the second season into the third. You know, it's it's uh, a really really fun show, kind of more of the same, but that's good. I, I really enjoyed what they did last time, but. Uh, since I got it back, I was like, let me see what else we got on here. What we got on here? What we got on Amazon Prime? You know, not a lot. It doesn't have as uh, uh, deep a selection of stuff as uh, as Netflix, but, you know, an, an interesting collection. And I decided to start watching from the beginning, a show I have never watched from the beginning before, a little show called The Mr. Jerry Seinfeld Show, or colloquially known as Seinfeld. Oh. Now, I had never watched Seinfeld from the beginning. I... I have obviously seen Seinfeld. I've seen you know a couple of episodes of it, and then there is of course everything you just pick up via osmosis from yeah. be- being alive in the world, um, which was weird because so I, I I just finished the first season, which is only like six episodes, or at right. least that's all they had on Amazon. Uh, but it was like a little bit almost jarring uh, watching those first couple. Because it's almost because I'm just sort of aware of what the genre of comedy is or the tropes of the show are. Mm. So when they're having some pernickety conversation about fucking do you leave a date an answering machine message? Ah, Jerry, you don't just leave a message, Jerry. Ah, you know, or whatever the fuck it is they're talking about. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like I'm sort of aware of it all. But you know, I'm enjoying it. It is really funny. Um, it's shock horror. It's a good show. Um, so I'll probably burn through that in, in the coming weeks. Uh, only downside of, uh, of that, uh, no Chromecasting from the Amazon Prime app, because obviously they have their own, their own little fire sticks that they sell. Um, yeah, so, so that's, so that's a, now they have a PS4 app, so I can still watch it on the telly, but still, mm. come on now, come on now. Let's, let's, let's be, let's be adults. Let's, squash, let's grow up. Come on. Let's, let's squash the beef. Let's come on. For the, for, for the benefit of those of us who really matter, that's right, yeah. the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the benefit yeah. of having a Roku is that they pretty much has everything on it because mm. they're not they're sort of independent. So yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, so so yeah, uh, that is the old uh, telling of preacher. Really, really solid. I'm really enjoying that. Um, yeah. So uh, do we want to move in to game golf, Paul? Yeah. Um, sure. Let me just uh, finish off Telegraph by um, letting you guys know that. I mean, obviously, you guys find it very funny that I've never watched um, Fraser, right? Kazi Grammar and that. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Seinfeld either. Hmm. And you, it's funny that you mentioned like other, like other things you're aware of through osmosis. I don't think I even know anything about Seinfeld. I know a few of the characters who are in it vaguely. I know the lad who played Kramer had that one racist rant that one time. Oh yeah, uh, that's and I know Jerry Seinfeld obviously. I but I don't think I've ever seen an episode. <laughs> I, I'm almost sure I've never seen. I'm, I maybe caught a minute here or there. But I've never watched uh, an episode. I'm surprised you. Have, I'm surprised you haven't picked up on it. I think you know what. I just remember what it was actually. The episode um, in question. It might have been actually. The, might be the first episode actually. The pilot. Um, 
here's the scenario, folks. Get a load of this. Um, uh, uh, an old friend of Jerry's is going to be in town uh, at the weekend, and he calls her. Mm. Sorry, she calls, she calls him to say, oh, I'll, I'll be in town if you want to meet up. And he's like, oh, great, a date. And uh, George is like, oh, well, no. She calls you say she'll she'll be in town. That's, you know, you're, you're just it's a convenience thing. She might hang out with you, and they have a, a whole lot of semantic bickering about whether or not that means it's a date or it means that he's you know just some kind of backup plan. That's the thrust of every episode of Style of Seinfeld, to my to my knowledge, is something happens and then they have a sort of anal argument about about what it actually means and and, and you, know, <laughs> um, you know it's but I, I and I, I obviously not sliding it because as I say I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Yeah. <clears throat> what it what 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 criminal is always doing something in London at half eight on Sunday night? Like what? And would they ever effing lock him up? <laughs> he's Who got the Monday. He's got the worst. That will be the well. season the season finale of the Church of Podcast. Is, uh, <laughs> is it Joe's door getting kicked down? <laughs> they finally catch me. <laughs> Take, take away my motorbike that I often ride during the show as well. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think you would like um, uh, Seinfeld Paul. Yeah, I was oh, going yeah, to say um, anal argument. That's sometimes happens to you after you have some particularly spicy chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought you were going to say that happened. Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do you want to do game coffee? <laughs> Please. Um, yeah, I took a little step back into uh, down memory lane with this week's game. Buff. I was playing some old games. Um, not sure why I was particularly in the mood, but um, I played a bit of Pokemon Snap uh, on the N64. So I still have the old Nintendo 64 set up. So playing the original cartridge with the original controller and that. And... Um, Ooh, that N64 analog stick is a big old piece of L shithole, baby. Uh, almost impossible con- to control. And also the Y axis is inverted on it. So I, and it, with no option to change it. So I found it very hard to play. Um, but definitely a nice kind of nostalgia trip. Uh, so I played the first three levels of that. And um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough, particularly because the analog stick is not good. That's what makes the game hard. Yeah. You, you're moving along. You're trying to aim your little camera uh, aperture at, at Pokemon and trying to and trying to snap them, as the name suggests. But the analog stick is so <laughs> imprecise that it's almost impossible. If the Pokemon is moving, you can't get a good picture of it because you, you just cannot align it properly. Um, so maybe one that's better played either with on a more recent console with uh, a better controller or if you have an emulator with an Xbox 360 controller or something, that might be good. But uh, yeah, if, uh, those N64 games are tough to go back to specifically because of that controller, just because of how kind of primitive it was compared to what we have these days. Uh, I also was on the search for Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Uh, not the original Pokemon Gold and Silver, mind, which are available on 3DS's uh, Nintendo Store. But I wanted the uh, the upscaled DS games, Heart Gold and Soul Silver. Uh, again, I don't know why I was just really in the mood to play one. So we went into Dublin and we popped into a few CEXs, see if we could snap them up uh, relatively 
cheap. Uh, none of them had them at all. This game came play out. Your own, play your own game of, of Pokemon Snap in the real world. Yeah. Well, these, ga- these games came out in like 2010, I think. So they're like eight-year-old games. Oh, it's not that yeah. Eight-year-old DS games. Shouldn't be that hard to pick one up in a CEX. Uh, we went into Rage, uh, which is that retro uh, gaming store oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. Dublin. Uh, they had a copy of Soul Silver, but not Heart Gold, and a, a boxed copy of Soul Silver. Only seventy nine ninety five, baby. Ooh. So I said, "You thank you." I'll uh, take Ace. I I did end up buying a few off, uh, just a few loose cartridges off uh, eBay for like, I got one Heart Gold and one Soul Silver for like thirty five euro. So they're on the way, and I'll give them a play when they arrive. It's uh, funny you uh, you mentioned that uh, a buddy uh, of mine from the UK who came over for OTT. I can't remember if he said this was in Dublin or he saw it back home before he came over. Um, but he mentioned being in a CEX recently and seeing a copy of Rule of Rose. Um, which are you familiar with that? No. It's a PlayStation Two game. It's a survival horror game, and it was, I believe. I believe it was released and then banned after the fact, and so taken off shelves in the UK. Okay. Uh, uh, because it, it has uh, violence and some sort of like suggestive content involving children. Um, it was pretty. It was pretty huge at the time, as far as gaming controversies go. I don't know that it was quite on the scale of like Manhunt, but it was. I mean, it was a full-on banning and, and recalling off the shelves. Right. So it goes for pretty penny online, and yeah, he, it's just you reminded me there with the with the Pokemon game. He said he saw it at CEX for two hundred and forty euros. Uh, uh, I, I assume it must. I assume it must be unbanned if they're selling it in CEX. I mean, you know. Um, it would have been, I guess, it would have been Dublin because it's um, actually. I don't think it's technically banned here, but obviously they stopped producing them when they, yeah. when it was banned in in so many markets. Um, but yeah, that just reminded me of that that came up at the weekend. So yeah, that's there. There's a there's a, a hustle to get into if anyone is a on the on the you know a career career hard. You can get into rare video game trading. Very good. Um, but the game that I've been playing the most this week. From the Nintendo GameCube is Mario Golf Toadstool Tour, which um, I don't know why, but me, uh, Natty, and my brother are just kind of a- addicted to playing it. We play, just pick a course, 18 holes, and we play three-player uh, stroke play, whatever, match play, whatever it's called. And uh, that game is really fun. Uh, in a in a kind of party game sense, uh, a lot of the courses are quite like dull golf courses. But then you have your wacky Mario golf courses, and they are really fun. Uh, so yeah, I pl- luckily because I, again I still have all my old systems and old games, I had a GameCube memory card that uh, has like all the courses and all the characters unlocked. So I didn't I, I didn't have to kind of trudge my way back. Uh, through unlocking everything, we just kind of have a, a ready-to-go, everything-unlocked save from a decade ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm really kind of... I would love a new Mario Golf game to come out on the Switch, because I would definitely kind of snatch that one up. Um, more so than the Mario Tennis. Mario Tennis, I'm not I'm not so much a tennis guy, but Mario Golf I really, really like. Um, so that's great. And uh, still playing Last of Us, of course. Um, I'm at the part in the game now where I've met Bill in his little safe house. I'm maybe like two or three short parts past that. 
Um, still liking it a lot. Um, and I'm kind of hesitant to say that anything about it is really disappointing me because I'm still, so I believe, quite early in the game. Yeah. But um, I definitely kind of... Up to the point where I am now, I, I, I wouldn't maybe consider it like a, a 10 out of 10 game. Um, now, I understand that would be controversial for you, Barry, because I know it's one of your like all-time favorites, if not your all-time favorite. But yeah, um, yeah, th- yeah. this is, of course, me coming to the game for the first time in 2018. Uh, and, of course, I have to take into consideration as well the fact that, you know, a lot of the games that I've played since 2013, I think, when it came out, have kind of iterated on The Last of Us. And it's kind of, again, an iconic, yeah, yeah. important game for that reason. But I do find li- every now and then I'll have a little annoyance about it. Um I don't know whether I mentioned last week, but like one one of the, the things early on is that I, I just found that Tess uh, was very trigger happy, uh, which would result mm. in me being killed repeatedly through no fault of my own. Mm. Um, like I'd be sneaking around trying not to get a clicker's attention, and then suddenly she's shooting her gun off, and now I'm be- and now I'm dead. Great, <laughs> and I just it, I, I, there were some segments that I had to just repeat five or six times. Um, for that reason, um, and I also feel like the guns are a little underpowered in it. Now that's maybe because they're not, you know, upgraded to the max yet. But I often will just find myself not ever using the guns because I have to shoot someone like four or five times to kill them, and you don't have that much ammo anyway. So kind of, what's the point? So yeah. I, I'm definitely more leaning in towards like shivs and stuff. I, I really don't pay much attention to ammo or to guns. I barely use them just because they're not very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely kinda again, the story and the, the voice acting is up there as it would be with you know, the best. Typical naughty dog level stuff. Um it's the uh, yeah, I where I where I am at right now with it is is it's definitely like a really, really solid game. Um but I do feel like I I'm I have been kind of spoiled by the fact that I've not played it these five years and obviously my expectations yeah. now are different than they would have been back in twenty thirteen. Um but I will play I will finish it and I will play also the Left Behind DLC, which I, I think comes as part of the remastered PS4 edition. It does, yeah. So I, I already have that and I will I will play through it. Um but yeah, last it's it's a game that I'm sitting down for like two hours at a time and, and playing big chunks of it. Uh, so I should have finished within a couple of weeks. Good, good. Well, you can keep us updated. Uh, did you mention there... Like, could you give us a vague idea of where you are? Yeah, so I've met uh, Bill. Okay. Uh, in whatever his area is called. Um, uh, Bill, Bill's Town, I believe. Bill's okay. <laughs> the eponymous Bill's Town. I've met him, mm. um, and we've gone through the church. Okay, I, th- yeah. I think I'm just going into the graveyard. I think that's where I am in it. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe but... a third into the game or so, between a third and halfway. Uh, yeah, yeah thereabouts uh it's yeah there's some tough sections coming up as well it is a hard game it is a hard game on the normal difficulty yeah um yeah bill's great bill's like one of my favorite characters in the game he is um, very fun in a in a in a sardonic way sure. 
A yeah. surly way. Surly is the perfect word for it. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, but on the other hand, if it, if it, if I am finding it too difficult, I have no problem to just turn out the difficulty. To be honest. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's also some you know some great cutscenes. So I th- I feel like because I do feel like that first section is kind of slow. I always I do always tell people it's like it's it kind of takes until Bill's town before the story really starts getting in motion and the characters really start getting in motion. Um, uh, but yeah, so we'll uh, I'll be interested to hear hear what's next uh, on that. Uh, any other game guff we wanted to do? Uh, I think that's everything. Cool, cool. We'll move on. Here I did get sorry. To... One more thing. I did pick up um, Burnout Paradise Remastered. Oh, cool. Uh, I did have a Burnout Paradise on PS3, and I really liked it as a kind of. Again, I don't not I don't like to say switch your brain off and and enjoy, but like just kind of a mindless thing to do. Like when I'm in the mood to play a game, but I'm not necessarily in the mood for the commitment of sitting for two hours and playing Last of Us. Just something that I can kind of pick up and play in the same way that I play FIFA or Pez because I've I've uninstalled both of those now. I've played enough of those this year. So Burnout Paradise I think is like fourteen euro or something on it's on sale now on PSN. So. I snaffled that one up, so I'll give that a little whirl as well. Yeah, I should go back to that. I got that remaster, and I only played a few hours of it, but it's, it's really fun. Yeah, I mean, a few hour, for fourteen euro, a few hours is is more than. Yeah, enough. yeah, exactly. Um, that's a, that is actually a solid price for that, yeah. especially because it's like ten years old. Uh, so moving off this week, I I'm not sure why I decided to watch it, but I watched Leatherface on Netflix. Okay. Which is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth movie in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise? Jesus. Um. So this one, they, they're and they're all different timelines and shit because there's like three sequels, a reboot, a prequel to the reboot, and then last a couple of years ago there was a sort of a, a sequel that was supposed to take place directly after the original film ends. So they've, they've kind of gone all over the top. This one is supposed to be a prequel to the very first film. So they're trying to tie, they're trying to basically do an origin story and tie it directly into the original film. Right. Um, c- considering that I think mo- pretty much all of the films in the franchise by the original are all abysmal. There's like never been another good one, right. uh, including the, la- the last one before this. I thought this one was shockingly watchable um, yeah. and an alright watch for people who are really into the series and have maybe you know, sat through all these movies to this point. So there are a couple of problems. It is obvious. You could guess what the final sort of half hour of this film looks like right off the bat if you know what a, if you know that it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre prequel. It follows all the notes you, you would think in the, in the closing stretch but, but what I thought was kind of interesting about it is that um, it, it isn't a slasher film in the way all the other movies are. It's not sort of... It doesn't follow that that same formula and it doesn't have a lot of the same tropes. It's a kind of like a really violent, kind of deranged like road trip movie in a very weird way. like Kind of like The Devil's Rejects, if anyone saw that. The Rob Zombie film. Right. Uh, just just a, a very kind of uh, creepy, bizarre... Uh, kind of gross uh, movie that's kind of doing its own thing. It's it's surprisingly good. The cast is really great. Uh, 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 
cast of mostly unknowns that I'd never heard of. A lot of really young actors um, uh, who I looked up after it, and I was like, I, like these people have been in like nothing uh, other than this film, which just came out last year. Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed it. It's not anything I would recommend to anyone who's not like a horror fan. If you're not a horror fan, in particular, I would even say it's a fire to see if you're not a Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan. I wouldn't say go out of your way to see it. It's not anything special, but I thought it was uh, decent. Decent. So if, if it sounds like it's something that might intrigue you uh, and you don't go in with sky-high expectations, that is on Netflix currently. Uh, yeah, so you can check that out. Uh, and that is that is it. That is my one film this week. Uh, us Europeans have a bit of a delay with uh, Incredibles and Ant-Man. Um, yeah, I, I was planning to see Hereditary uh, yesterday, but the time just didn't line up so we didn't get to see it mm. Hmm. so hopefully I do get to see that before it's out of the cinema so I might try and see it this week mm. but it was like we, we were going to go into Dublin yesterday as I mentioned and uh, be back before <laughs> that fucking criminal oh, again they're rounding us all up um, to be back by uh, the England game but then, like, the only showings of Hereditary on a Saturday were, like, 9.50 in the morning and then, like, 5.30 and 8.30 in the evening. I was like, well, pfft. I thought, I wanted one at, like, 12. I <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get it. So, I don't know. Maybe in the week. Yeah, make sure it makes oh, It's great. I watched a movie. Oh, go on. Shall I talk about it? Please do. Um, I watched a movie called Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, um, which was a big hit last year, big award uh, contender. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, oh, Paul. Obviously, you would have seen it in your Oscar. I roundup. did. I did watch it. Yeah. Um, so it's about little fella living in Italy in the eighties. His dad is like a, I don't know, professor of something, like classics or archaeology or something. Yeah. Uh, they have another little fella comes to stay with them who's a student played by Army Hammer. I think is supposed to be, I'm guessing, you know, if he's a student, probably like mid-twenties, but Army Hammer kind of looks like 40 to me. <laughs> he looks like a lot older. I don't know if that's kind of intentional in the way they sort of present him in the film, but he looks kind of a lot like middle-aged. Um, obviously supposed to be a, bit, a lot more mature because the, the son of the family is uh, like very young teenager, 17, 18, something like that. Mm. Sort of coming of age. Um, so they basically have a kind of blossoming love affair over this, this summer in Italy. Um, I enjoyed the film a lot. I thought the performers were all very good, particularly uh, the dad as well, who plays this very kind of uh, passionate, enthusiastic uh, you know, professor. Um, and I thought the two... who, who plays the dad? It's someone known as well, isn't it? It's, oh, I oh, it's Michael, Michael Stuhlberg from uh, Boardwalk Empire. Yes, yes. Uh, what was his name in that? Uh, Rothstein. Rothstein, yeah. Rothstein, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I thought the performances from those three were, were fantastic. I thought the, the scenery and the kind of look of, of Italy and then the, that time period was, was really good. There's lots of really kind of nice moments in the film, just nice sort of choices of of shot or the way certain moments of framed are presented, uh, sometimes being very kind of subtle and sometimes quite kind of in your face and other moments. Um, and I thought it was good. It was a great, good love story. And I think it was deserved the, the acclaim it got last year. 
what did you think of Paul? I can't remember what your review. Um, yeah, I like it a lot as well. Um, I don't know why, what it is about movies that are set in like continental Europe, but I feel like they all have a, a kind of a an arty feel to them for whatever reason. Yeah, like, like um, thingy mid before midnight. Uh, I, that's exactly the movie I was going to reference mm. before, like sunrise, mm. before sunset, before midnight. Just um, the, the lights, or the, even the, the Godfather back. movies to an extent. Parts that are yeah. set in kind of Sicily, or yeah, yeah, have that same kind of feel to them. I don't know what it is. An um, oldie worldy sort of feel. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I I had uh, Timothy Sh- Chamalet, I think is his name. He's the, he plays the he plays the young uh, the young lad. Uh, he was mm. my pick for the best actor Oscar, which of course is won by um, Gary Oldman for wearing a prosthetic and going <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> as fight them on the, on the beaches. We fight them on the beaches. Um. But I think he was. I think Chamonix was was probably for me the best of the the picks that year. Yeah. Um, some parts of it are a little bit slow, admittedly. And uh, yeah, yeah. But I I liked that a lot of the movie was kind of. I liked a lot of it was implied more than mm. outright said. Like one of my favorite scenes was when they're they have a conversation. I think by a fountain as they're going to like a post office or something. Yeah. And it's all kind of looks and. They they say things that are implied without necessarily coming out and saying, you know, how they mm-hmm. feel or what's happening. It's all kind of left uh, to the atmosphere, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Arnie Hammer is good. In the, I, I think his character uh, borders on, you know, on one hand, it's like a true kind of romance, and on the other hand, he's he, he can be like very manipulative as well. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it obviously since when it came out last year, but uh, yeah, certainly a very, very good movie. And and uh, there it has some scenes that I'm not crazy about. I, I'm not huge on the the peach scene, which I think is probably uh, yeah. I think I thought that was like a little a little silly for the tone of the movie. It was a little over the top. Um, mm-hmm. and then I think like the last scene with the father and son is probably my favorite thing in the movie. Yeah, overall, um, yeah, really, really good, and people should check it out if they like good movies <laughs> set in Europe. Yes, yes. What it is, um, yeah, I might give, I might have to give that another watch sometime. Mm. That's mm. really good. Yeah, uh, I haven't watched any movies myself this year, uh, this week, <coughs> sadly. This year, this year, I've watched quite a few this year actually, but this week, <laughs> no, I, I haven't watched any this this week. Um, maybe next week. Maybe maybe this week come and I'll watch a movie or two. I I have quite a few ro- the Rock movies. I'm I have Southland oh, Tales yeah. queued up to watch. I believe that's uh, one of those kind of divisive movies that some people think is absolute trash, uh, and other th- people think is really great. So I'm excited to see that one. That's uh, I think a Richard Kelly movie. I think it's the same guy who did um. Donnie Darko, so that's a movie I really enjoy. So mm, mm. I should look forward to that one. But apart from that, no other movies this week. Cool. Okay. Uh, so do we want to get into our emails, please? Yeah. Okay. I have an email here. Just the one. Okay. It is from Michelle. 
Uh, she says, hi, lad. What do you do to beat the heat? Ooh. Dis- besides wish for death, LOL. <laughs> well, uh, God, what do I... Nothing uh, except my lot in life. Uh, I try to shower uh, twice a day if I can, although I stop that when they... Because uh, ha- we got a hose pipe band now. So oh, like, no. Don't- they're like, don't take fucking unnecessary showers. Were you showering with the hose pipe? Uh, <laughs> and and they, they were like, it's, it's actually a band specifically on me standing in the street <laughs> up my arse cleaning out the swamp ass. Um, Just someone from the local council spotted it. Uh, so they, yeah, they, had a refer- they had a referendum and it was <laughs> overwhelming. Someone, someone, someone tried to do a citizen's arrest on me. Um, but no, I mean, so so I mean, I've got obviously every window in the fucking apartment is open. Um, drinking lots of water, uh, sleeping buck ass naked. Um, what on the sheets? Um, yeah, same here. I actually I leave the kind of windows open all night, and my mum said, "Oh, you know, someone could get in." I say, "You know what? If they're out and about in this heat, good luck to them." They Fair to tell if they are commissioned enough to wear all black and a mask. They're climbing up through the first floor window in this heat. Fucking hell, they deserve it. Yeah, you should. You, yeah, I mean, I'm, who am I? Who and I? And I don't have. The, I don't have the energy to fight them. God knows. So <laughs> when you run out naked from the bedroom with hose pipe up your ass, that's probably enough to scare them off anyway. <laughs> Another <laughs> anal argument for Barry Murphy. Oh God. I, uh, um. So anyway. Sorry, I'm, I, I, by the way, I'm still obviously fighting a, a sickness. If that's not if that's not painfully obvious on the show, um, yeah, I just kind of do all the the typical things. I don't really have any special tips, uh, you know, f- keeping the the flow of ice cubes going into the the freezer. That's the main thing. Yeah, so uh, I'm surviving. Uh, but uh, yeah, the main thing I'm doing is uh, whinging about it mainly. <laughs> I have some uh, calippos in the freezer for when I'm ooh, nice, 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 nice. I'm too hot. Um. Make sure the fridge is stocked up with some nice cans of whatever your beverage of choice is, I guess. Yeah. Um, water. Cans of water. Yeah, I'm sitting here in my underpants recording this podcast right now. Um, yeah, underpants. I've got an le- electric fan on pretty much permanently. Oh, that's a good idea. I and uh, I think I'm spending more on electric now than I was on gas during during the winter because I've just got this fan on permanently. Well, that is the problem. You know, when it's cold, you can put on the jumper. When it's too hot, you can't take yeah, off. Yeah, I don't think I. I don't mind the cold too much as well. I think I cope quite well with the cold. I don't mm. whack the heating on that often. But when it's hot, I'm just like, no, no, need the fan on. Yeah. All right, I have an email as well. Uh, also from Michelle Escobar. Subject, allergies. She says, hey, Paul, are you allergic to anything? Or do you stress out and break out? No, I'm never stressed, uh, Michelle. I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a very laid back uh, cat. I'm a very, you know, mellow, pretty mellow guy. You know, even at work when I have a really tough day. You know, I, I talk. I talk about it on the podcast for a minute. I don't, you know, don't whinge and moan. Just say here's here's what happened. Uh, on the other hand, with allergies, uh, yeah, I'm allergic to quite a few things. Um, uh, first of all, the old classic 
uh, Dustmite. Oh, have, no. I, I do have asthma, so yeah. I get a little wheezy if it's too dusty. Um, I am allergic to cats very badly. Yeah. Um, I, one time, I thought probably, probably spoke about this in the podcast. One time I was in Nat's parents' house and we were watching a TV or watching a movie or something. And her cat came and sat between us and I was just stroking the cat. And then my face started swelling up all real big. My lips started, my upper lips got real swollen. My eyes were like red. Mm. Um, yeah, I wasn't well. So cats, I don't know whether it's their hair or what it is about them, but yeah, can't hack a cat. Yeah. And even the guinea pigs, like if I get a scratch off one of the guinea pigs, like nails, um, mm. it'll like hive up like immediately. So I'm probably slightly allergic to them as well, but not not yeah. enough to a point where it like affects uh, my quality of life. Uh, and I am also allergic to um, Christmas trees. Uh, what? The well, we we all, we have a plastic Christmas tree for that reason. Um, okay, fair enough. So pine trees, I guess you'd say. But what about you guys? Any funny wacky allergies? Oh, hay all fever. Oh god, yeah. I have asthma, eczema, hay fever, and uh a good old um allergy to lots of different fruits as well. So I can't eat an apple. Oh can't eat can't eat pears. Apple's the best one. Uh certain nuts as well. I ate some banana cake at work when we had a bake off the other day and they had someone that mentioned that there weren't walnuts in it. And uh got the old scratchy throat and uh, itchy lips for a Half an hour afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Allergies are badness. That's what I think. I think you're probably right on that one. Um, Yeah. And also, I don't know what it is, but whenever I'm watching NXT and um, the... What's the fucking guy's name? The finest. The Hawaiian lad. Uh, I just start retching. I don't know why it is. I just... uh, My eyes get all like... I have to rub my eyes. Hawaiian lad. Yeah, uh, crush. That's <laughs> not crush. NXT oh. Hawaiian. Okay, let me Google this. Kona Reeves. Kona Reeves. Whenever he gets on, I don't know what it is. He's like, whenever he's having a match, I I just shit myself sometimes. I don't know why. <laughs> I just look down. I've had an accident. I don't know his presence. I don't know what it is. Anyway. That is, uh, that's my email. Uh, gracias to Michelle and condolences with the uh, with the elimination of Colombia there in the world, the old mm. World Cup <laughs> by mm. Angleterre. Mm, deserved, mm. yeah. I think Colombia got too big they for the boots, is what happened. They were very cynical. I think they should have tried to play football and they probably could have won the game, but they were. That's funny. We didn't, we didn't really point that out, is that that's two opponents now that England have had in this World Cup, both from South Central America with uh, Panama and, mm. and Colombia, mm. who, who upon conceding a goal, just started to try and like, fight the English. And, and yeah, very violent, very violent uh, people. Very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, speaking of emails I have an email here from Michael Hirsch subject social media as an award winning social media dude 
What is your thought on the Twitter accounts that just link to Instagram account posts? It usually ends up truncating the Twitter post and adding a URL to IG. This seems lazy and is useless to those who do not use Instagram. I don't think these accounts should win awards. What is your take? Well, Michael, I agree wholeheartedly. There is nothing worse than automated uh, cross-social media posts. When someone just puts a Facebook uh, post and link onto Twitter, you're not offering me anything. You need to customize your content for each platform. You know, mm. that that's basic. That is basic. Because if you don't, people will... Oh, sorry, that's fucking siren. Um, people will see through you very quickly. They'll know that you don't understand how to use the platform. And they will not engage with your content. You know, you only have to look at at Cheshire Pod or at the Barry Lad. You know what I mean? Or at Paul Griffin CSP well, to me. understand what good content looks like. To be fair, I when whenever I do one of my rare Instagram posts, I just do link it to the Twitter, and I, you get one of those links. Like, why why are Instagram pictures not just embedded into Twitter? Because they had a war. Yeah, they they were were originally. I think when Instagram launched, but um, then they they suddenly stopped it. Well, Instagram was bought by Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. matter though. You got Facebook Twitter integration as well. I mean, come on now. Come well, on. well, yeah, but again, it's 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 the the basic function of just like you know, if I, I if I tweet, you can put you know, and that tweet will appear on Facebook. That's that's it. But they don't do anything. They don't do anything fancy like embedding the image. This is just WWE going. He done on OTT. No, he'll have to come uh, work at NXT house show somewhere. The big faces Lado. corporations just. Kicking the man while he's down. That's what it is. It's the it's the Amazon Chromecast thing again. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Um, thank, thanks for that, Michael. Interesting, interesting observation there. Uh, my other email is from Michelle. She says, "Subject footy." Hi, Joe. England's done well so far, right? Uh, were you skeptical when Gareth Southgate was first named coach after his history with the team? How are you feeling about the team? Um, I think I'll cover the second question. Was I sceptical when he was named coach? A little bit, because he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Um, He managed Middlesbrough. Not particularly impressive. Did okay with the England youth teams. But I kind of felt that he he came in to replace Sam Allardyce, who was sacked for being a dodgy wheeler dealer. Um, And I kind of felt it was a bit of a, well, there's no one else to really do the job sort of appointment. Like, you know, you're there take over okay but he's he's shown himself to be you know pretty good coach he's he's changed a lot of things a lot of the ways we kind of approach the game um it's got a good system good players to, to fit the system so yeah um i don't think the fact that he missed the decisive penalty in euro 96 was um a problem because i don't think um you necessarily have to have, you know been a winning player to become a great manager often it's you know the players who didn't achieve much who go on to be great coaches um but who kind of understand what what it takes to get it done but yeah he's doing a great job and he seems like a, a very nice man as well a very very nice guy um so yeah that's that's my emails thanks guys 
Yeah, I think I was, I was also very skeptical when he was hired, to be fair. Because mm. he's not a big name. He's not a big uh, personality, necessarily. No. But, uh, it's a bit like um, Yogi Love in Germany, though. Um, a little bit, he yeah. was a, He was assistant manager. He didn't really have any history in, in the club game. But he no. was kind of the right fit, which is probably the most, most important thing. Yeah, he's gotten playing. Hey. That's the most important yes. thing. Yes, yes, yes. Nice. Shall we talk wrestling slash MMA? Please do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got to talk about it. Uh, breaking news. Uh, oh. First time occurrence in about five or six years. Uh, something noteworthy happened at a UFC event last night, folks. Um, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know what? It's it. funny you mentioned that, right? Because this was the first UFC show that I stayed up to watch in its entirety in about a year and a half. Yeah. And I th- that was nothing to do with knowing anything about Brock Lesnar. It was just, oh, DC, uh, Danny Cormier is fighting Miocic for like champion versus champion fight. Oh, I should say watch that. Francis Ngannou is fighting. He's like the killer heavyweight. The, the Mike Tyson of the UFC is fighting Derek Lewis. Oh, that'll be a great uh, war. It actually was El Piece of El Shito, um, <laughs> which Brock Lesnar was, was live to comment on. God, it was a piece of shit. Um, which he is, in fairness. He, he, oh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I, ju- I just happened to be to be up for it. And who's this coming to the octagon here just in time for the main event? The old universal champion, Brock Lesnar. Who who's this pink faced uh, uh, golem in a three piece suit and snakeskin boots? Who's this cave troll after wandering out? Who's this Witcher three boss? <laughs> um, so yeah, Brock showed up. He did. Uh, so you know, obviously, you know, it's it's, it's extremely obvious that. An angle, brother, was, was planned to be shot oh, here. It was, it was so, so transparent what this because was. Because Cormier just did a straight-up wrestling call-out specifically to Brock, yeah. who then the camera cut to him on cue as he was jogging up to the fucking steps. Like, yeah. I mean, they obviously were told, lads, whichever one of you wins, you're, you're fighting Brock next, so make sure you have a little... Do a little call-out to him. We'll bring him in and we'll have a little... We'll do a little... A little gimmick. So any other, any other, I mean, like, so so for anyone who didn't see it, um, Cormier called out Brock, Brock got in the ring, and he got a, gr- a great MMA Brock promo. Uh, basically about how all the, all the heavyweights were shite, and then he was coming for DC. And then he threw the mic in the camera. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, it was short and to the point. They also did an Austin Tyson shoving spot where they got separated. Oh. Um, was it was of, all great. That's kind of lame, to be fair. I thought it was all right. Although I did like that one of DC's cornermen who looked to be about three foot five shoved Brock afterwards. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, the problem was is that it felt so inorganic that it kind of didn't work. Whereas the the Austin Tyson one, although happening in wrestling, felt far more kind of real. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I thought Brock's pro was very good. Again, very short. But to the point, um, 
and yeah, I'm coming for you, motherfucker. And then he threw the threw the mic directly into the camera, which I don't think I've seen. Uh, I don't think I've seen ever that happen. Mm. Um, I, I mean, he pushed it more, more I guess, more than threw it, but like hit the camera with the microphone. And uh, yeah, so Brock, I guess, officially now, although we we, we kind of have been hearing about it for quite a while now, on his way back to the UFC. Uh, no um, date announced or anything. I, I would assume would be very, very late 2018, early 2019, based on the the, the drug testing rules and, and time needed to promote the fight and so on. Um, interesting, I would say, given the storyline they're doing with Brock in WWE, where... Didn't they initially have a number one contenders match, multi-man match announced for Extreme Rules that they then kind of went back on, saying that, well, bro, we couldn't come to terms with Brock, yada, yada, yada. Mm. I find it so strange what they're doing with him. And the Universal title, I feel like, has really suffered as a result. It's like, just, it's forgotten that it even exists, almost. Yeah, I think, I mean... There was people who said that was always the case, but I think you, you, you could you could have made the argument all along that no, you know, it's just it's more special when it does show up. But yeah, now I feel like it has crossed the line to the point that uh, yeah, it is forgotten about. You'd forget there even is a raw title. But I think it's now circling back to the point where people will care again, because I think when he shows up and, and this UFC move coupled with him not working the next pay-per-view and, and, and that whole, that whole Damon thing you just mentioned is, is really going to, I think, intensify his heel heat because people perceive him as, not perceive him as pretty much what the situation is, as this guy who's not committed to WWE. And, you know, um, for, for whatever reason, people get worked up about that and take it as a personal slight or whatever. You know, the, the, the people who get fired up and talk about this business, all caps. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I think I think there's a, 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 you know, I think I think his matches, whatever his next match is, it'll be very interesting to see his reaction, I think. Um, but the other thing uh, about that, right, I was talking to a friend of mine about this just today. It's interesting and all that, but it's kind of gotten to the point now where it's like, who could you possibly beat Brock with? That would be worthwhile in WWE. I nearly, feel, I nearly feel like it will just be Roman. Well, yeah. So that's, I mean, it, that's the most likely answer. But I feel like, I mean, look, they've beaten him like a drum. I feel like that ship has really sailed. Now, of course, the ship having sailed, that will, of course, not stop WWE from doing it. Of course, they will just do it anyway. But it's like that ship has sailed, and also there's no one else near the level of readiness or believability and even if you look at the NXT roster, no one could have any confidence that they'll build them up good enough on Raw to uh, to justify it. Yeah, I feel like I used to have these like dreams or visions in my head of, you know, Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar and, you know, Braun Strowman, Brock Lesnar and they kind of did those already and they're all kind of letdowns because I guess they were saving the the moment for Roman Reigns. Mm. And then that, that kind of makes what they did with Roman and Brock all the more like baffling in that you had the um you had the match just before the Saudi Arabia show where Brock won. 
I guess, WrestleMania, I suppose. <laughs> and then you had, obviously, the cage match. And it seemed like, oh, well, maybe Brock won because they're waiting to do the switch. And then Brock won again. And you're kind of, well, what's the point of this whole thing? Very, very strange. Um, anyway, don't have much more to say about it. I, I'm interested to see Brock back in UFC. Uh, I don't know if you noticed the, the size difference between him and Daniel Cormier is yes, quite yeah. astounding. Um, Brock's probably <coughs> what, a legitimate three, four Six inches feet. taller than him, would you say? Yeah, yeah, crazy. And even when I was watching the main event of last night's UFC show, um, Miocic against Cormier, like the size difference there was, I noticed almost immediately. I was like, "Wow, Cor- Cormier looks really small here." Because Cormier is not a natural heavyweight. He's he he used to fight a heavyweight in strike force because he was a big fat man, uh, but he's since like cut down to light heavyweight, down to two hundred five pounds. So he could be theoretically on two hundred five live. Um, and they went back up to heavyweight for his fight. And Miocic, who is by no means a huge heavyweight, uh, looked way bigger than him. So I'd be interested to see the the fight should it happen. Brock, at whatever, cutting to 265. Uh, he's going to really be like a like a man fighting a child almost, you know? Um, although that's not to say that he's going to win. But it'll definitely be a, an odd visual. Um, so he still hasn't re-entered the USADA pool, though, has he? Well, this isn't confirmed. I don't know whether he has or, or has not. Because, mm. like, doesn't he have a suspension to serve and then he has to be tested again? Possibly. I'm not sure what what the exact circumstances are. That's why I, I don't think this fight is, gonna, is, is on the immediate uh, future. It's more, more on the horizon, you know? I, I wouldn't even put it against a uh, probability that Cormier will fight again before he fights Brock. You know, I, I think it's it's maybe that far away. Hmm. Well, we will have to we will have to wait for this story to continue to develop and and, and come back to it. Uh, speaking of stories that we're going to have to come back to when they develop more, uh, Hiromu Takahashi on the uh, G One special from San Francisco, which was Saturday. Night, I believe. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yesterday night, uh, suffered a extremely nasty looking uh, uh, neck injury uh, in his match with Dragon Lee, taking what I guess you would call the old Kevin Steen Steenalizer move, kind of put him in power bomb position, uh, grab the back of his, his head so you've made him into like a package power bomb, and then basically alley ooping him backwards onto his neck. An extremely crazy spot that always terrified me every time I saw it uh, when Kevin Steen used to do it. Uh, a really horrible landing. I watched the GIF precisely once before I decided I did not want to see it ever again. Um, so at this time, there's a, a lot of speculation from uh, uh, people with sources and, and, and prominent uh, uh, you know, reporters in the industry that it could be a broken neck uh, for Hiromu Takahashi, which is... Uh, about about as bad a diagnosis as you, as you could ask for. So that's not confirmed. Obviously, I imagine he is still undergoing a lot of uh, uh, testing and a lot of review, and, and there's been no official statement put out by doctors or New Japan at this time. But 
really shitty, uh, really shitty situation. Uh, Hiromu obviously won the best of the Super Juniors this year, and then he also beat Osprey for the title uh, shortly after. So, so they were really starting to get behind him. So, as bad as the injury it is, you know, it's uh, the sting in the tail is that it's it felt like they were really starting to. To, to give this guy a, a, something of a push uh, after fans have been clamoring for it for a long time. So, unfortunate. Did you guys see this? I saw the GIF. I think most people have no, seen it at this point. Yeah, kind of, kind of a... I'd, I hesitate to say a dumb move, but it's certainly a very dangerous move that is inevitably going to end in a, a, an injury like this one. Yeah, yeah, it's. I always, I always hated that move. I mean, I always thought it just looked impossible to protect yourself on. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll uh, obviously, you know, update on that as it as it comes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, so I went to two wrestling shows this weekend. Obviously, go on. As as mentioned earlier, uh, I'm kind of brought, breeze past this first one here because. Uh, uh, there's not really a whole lot to say about it. So the Trinity Brawl, which was in the, the uh, I can't remember the official name of the building. I think it's the Players Theater in Trinity College. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's right in the middle of uh, of Trinity College. I think it's it's a theater within the Samuel Beckett building. Okay. And my understanding of this, this is a one-off thing organized by some people on the Irish wrestling scene. A great many of whom are are involved in the Fight Factory School that Katie Harvey and Justy and a number of other people work at, but it's not a Fight Factory show officially. It's it's just a kind of one off thing by by a, a collection of people on the Irish scene. I, I don't know how it came about. I don't know if they got a deal on the room or what or or how it came to be. I know I think someone involved in the production went to Trinity and was a member of the Players Club, um, and so that's how they did it. But they basically just came up with this idea: this one off show. It was a pay what you want show. Um, uh, where you paid, you know, whatever ticket price you wanted, and it was a bring your own beer show, uh, because the the little theater it is a very small little theater that does not have a bar, uh, so a very unusual thing. Uh, it also uh, had people doing gimmicks that you would not typically see them do. Uh, Captain Sexy Paul, who you'll know from uh, OTT, yeah. Club Tropicana, he did a gimmick where he basically played his own grandfather. Okay. And he came out in a big fake beard and a and like old school navy uniform. <laughs> and he, he and he he did his entrance where he whips off the pants, but he had like old man long johns on underneath them. Um uh Katie Harvey came out uh doing a glow uh, gimmick as Dolly Bell. Um so there there were people the kind of the more experienced people we're kind of doing some wackier stuff. And I think I'd heard that kind of one of the reasons uh, for, for the show was a lot of these newer people, people I'd never heard of before were on this show. Uh, they were, it was kind of just giving them some experience, getting them some good looking footage because it was a tidy room, but it was a great looking setup. Uh, I posted pictures obviously on Twitter and Instagram at the Barry Land for both of those uh, small setup, the stage, uh, I mean, the stage was really cool looking, and it was almost wall to wall in this venue. That's how that's how not big the venue was. Um, other other little anomalies like uh, Debbie Keitel was there, obviously a semi regular at OTT. Uh, she was doing a completely new gimmick, and she was working as a heel. Uh, she was wearing all black. She was not doing any of her usual stuff. 
So again, just I had a weird one-off show where people were doing some different stuff, and, and uh, it was really cool. Uh, I won't run down the card, but it was it was really impressive. It was one hundred percent Irish. Obviously, there was there was no imports. Uh, Justy was there. Um, um, he did a gimmick where basically he he came out and uh, uh, talked trash in, in the beginning of the show. Someone attacked him, and they basically did a show long kind of angle where they after each match they would cut to the screen. And he was brawling around Trinity College uh, with, <laughs> with I, one half of the uh, Super Nintendo Bros, which is a I think a Cork uh, CCW based team. Uh, that was really fun. They did they did, they did some fun stuff. Uh, and I think the two most uh, notable match or the three most notable matches were they had a five way women's match that was turned into a six way uh, when they added uh, Rhea O'Reilly to the match, who is a uh, you know, sort of a, a decently well-known women's wrestler who who is mm. Irish. She's North. She's Northern Irish. She's never wrestled in the Republic before. She's someone I think a lot of oh. OTT fans have been asking for. Um, I don't know why she hasn't been. I don't know if it's a scheduling thing or what, or the fact that they just don't book that many women. Uh, <laughs> to say that loud. Huh? What I I did think this show was in a lot of ways. Again, it's a one-off. It's not like they're starting up a promotion, but this was a little bit of a counter to the OTT approach. Um, it was, I think there was about 150 fans there. It was definitely less than 200. It was really the hardest of the hardcore, um, but it was all Irish. They had every, I mean, with the exception of Martina, uh, that, that, what was originally that five woman match, I mean, to my knowledge, that is literally every sort of, uh, you know, ring ready, uh, uh, female wrestler in Ireland. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing about how small the scene is and people need to remember is I think there are like six or seven active female wrestlers in the whole country. Yeah. So, but they, but it, but like it, it didn't seem accidental that they had every available Irish woman on this card, with the exception of Martina, um, who I think was booked elsewhere anyway. Um, so they did that. They had no imports, you know. They they um, uh, they really went all out. Uh, Paddy M, who of course has not been on OTT shows for. I don't know. What do you remember? What his last show was? I can't even remember. Would have been Scrap uh, Scrap Mania three. Me no, because I think I think they had a say. No, you know what it was? It was Wrestle Rabbi last year. They oh, the I, okay. I, I I didn't go to that show, but I I uh, I, knew the stadium, I so. don't I don't know what the I don't know why I don't know what the deal is with with him and the lads from the flats. I don't know why they're not a regular part of the show anymore. But he was back on this show. It was the main event was Paddy M. Phil Boyd, who's a head trainer at Fight Factory, and Scotty Davis versus More Than Hype. That was the main event. Um, and that was really good. And again, all Irish. People were all about Paddy because he's like the 10-yard star. And uh, yeah. the other big match was uh, Angel Cruz versus Jay Money. Uh, <laughs> and Scott Steiner. Um yeah, it was cool. I it was so cool that I kind of wondered if they'd be tempted to do it again. But I, I, everyone was very. We were all chatting about that show. Everyone was very curious. Like, do you think Trinity? Trinity doesn't seem like the type of place that would host wrestling. I mean, like a bunch of wrestling fans bringing big bags of cans to the center of the campus, and you know, getting getting Larry. I don't know if that's kind of what they'd be about. But uh, it felt like it was a success on the first night, and I'd be very interested in seeing them do it again. So. Uh, we will uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Second night then was uh, OTT. Uh, in what 
they were billing all along as the sec as as one of the last Tivoli shows, and then they said it was the last Tivoli show of 2018. And I have to say, Paul, the vibe of the evening felt very much like this was them calling time on. On uh, that's, yeah, that's the feeling I got as well from what I've uh, heard about it. Because we were, because uh, so first, I mean, Cabray did say they were trying to get uh, Defiant Two for October. That was in negotiations. That was mentioned once and has never been mentioned again. And uh, I'll, I'll run through what what I'm you know what on the card gave me that feeling in a second. But in general, a lot of us came out the feeling with, look, this building's only going to be around for a couple of more months. And if you're if you're a promoter, is it worth your time and energy trying to haggle these last few dates out, or should you just move on and make your peace with it? Because it's going to be going anyway. So um, yeah, I I would suggest that they probably will still do one final one. Yeah. Um, Whatever that might be, but like you know, promote it as such. This is the last one. Because mm. um, yeah, I I was of the belief, like yourself, I was like they'll probably do one in 2019. That's that's called like the last chapter or whatever. Um, but I was also <laughs> in the weeks, in the days leading up to the show, I was saying, lads, I'll predict it right now. November's show, the gimmick is going to be. He's going to go on Twitter. They're going to say, we we pulled the miracle, lads. We pulled a few strings. One more show in 2018 in the TV. That was my prediction. I said to someone privately, and then when we came out of this show, we were like, "Actually, no. It feels like they've." It this show felt like a season finale for the Tivoli. It felt or it felt like a series finale. It felt like this is this is the end. All that was missing was was like, uh, like Luther Ward and the Lance from the Flats. Like they didn't have that many comebacks, but they everything else bust. You know what I mean? Do you think, having been there, that yeah, maybe they they wanted to do something just in case. Uh, it's the la- It turns out to be the last one. Like maybe the plan would be early twenty nineteen. They do one last show, but let's if, if that can't happen, maybe they don't want the last one to just be a nondescript show. That they they did some celebrating of the Tivoli just in case. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah. Uh, and, and time time will only tell on that one, but uh, it definitely felt like it was uh, the final one. So to kick things off here, they opened with a video uh, recapping um, uh, the history in the building dating back to the first show. Uh, it was tremendous as their video crew, as they always do, they, they, they killed it. They're one of the best on the scene when it comes to stuff like this. You yeah. can go to their Twitter. They have it posted on Vimeo and you, you can check it out. Have you seen it, Paul? I've, I've watched it already, yeah. Really fantastic, really great stuff. So uh, they did that, and then obviously the opening uh, promos, everyone was talking about it uh, and, and hyping it up. Tell you what, though, the opening promo, you had Humperdinck and whatever the other fella's name is. I still don't know after all these Tony months. Kelly? T- Tony Kelly, that's it. He was in there, and uh, the commentators were in there, and they wrapped up the whole story of Don Marnell shagging Tony Kelly's sister, who is also Humperdinck's wife. They wrapped it up. <laughs> wow, well, weird. Okay. Yeah, they wrapped it up by Humperdinck thanking Marnell and saying that your wood was a whore and thanking Marnell for opening his eyes and realizing she was a whore and that she fucked the whole locker room. <laughs> and and a bunch of people in the audience chanted she's a whore like it was oh ECW in nineteen ninety eight. 
And yeah, there was a, there was like the reactions were either people chanting "She's a whore" or everyone looking around going "Ah," pulling their the 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 neck of their shirt out, like because it's fucking hilarious. Because obviously last year we had the whole thing where OTT were like, "You got to be, you know, don't chant shit at the women, be respectful," because because there were problems with the crowd chanting shit. And I think you and I said on this show. We said it's all well and good them asking the fans to behave and be respectful, but part of the problem is that the content of the shows is also disrespectful and a lot, and a lot of times derogatory towards women. And here we are again. You know what I mean? It was it was um, it was kind of ridiculous. Um, and and you know it's not just that they said it; they got the crowd to chat it as well. So so that got it off to a very odd odd foot after the video and everything else. Right. So that was a negative. Uh, the first match was. Uh, TK Cooper and Ginny versus Trent Seven and, and Martina. You probably could have predicted this uh, uh, six months ahead of time. Of course, they did a a, a mustache mount, mountain parody thing where where Martina played played Tyler Bay. Um, I don't know why Martina's current gimmick is like Big Show in two thousand. Well, what I was uh, going to say when you when you say you could have predicted, my prediction would have been Martina, as per her gimmick, um, you know, acts the fool. And Trend Seven does Tim from the office looks directly into the camera. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that as was as it. they did exactly the same last month with Pete Dunne and uh, Mark Haskins. Yeah. Okay. So now, one thing I will say to their credit, this one, it it wasn't so. There was less of the like blind tag and her getting. She actually wasn't even in the match that much. Right. So it definitely feels like. I know because me, you, and like a lot of other people were speculating, oh, was that on purpose? Are they turning her heel? This match made you feel like, no, they're not turning her heel. Last month, they just had their head in the sand and did not know what they were doing and put together a terrible match. This match, it was small doses. Trent Trent worked most of it. Um, uh, and Ginny, Trent and Ginny actually did loads. Of, Trent sold like crazy for Ginny. Ginny beat the shit out of that guy early on. <laughs> In the match, Ginny was tremendous. Ginny was absolutely tremendous as she always was. She got right in some. She got the mic. Uh, someone was heckling her directly in front of me, and she like leaned out of the ring and basically said, "No one will ever love you. Uh, no woman will ever touch you except your mother." Um, everyone was chanting, you know, that she shops at Primark and all this other stuff. The whole, the whole Ginny nine yards. Um, but yeah, they kept the Martina stuff to a minimum, and and to be fair. There, not that I heard, there was not a hint of booing. There was not a hint of uh, anti-Martina uh, sentiment in that okay. crowd. Um, so, so they won, and like, and like you said, you know, you, you could, you know, um, she was acting the fool. They, they did the Trent like told her to do the Tyler Bay, you know, spring off the ropes with your shoulders in between the ropes. Yeah, uh, and and of course she did a really bad version of it because she's unathletic. Ho ho ho! Like that that whole joke. Right. Um. But but it was in small enough doses that I actually I I thought it was an all right opener. I I did enjoy it. Um. Finish was weird. Uh, Trent pinned Ginny in like the least productive <laughs> finish. Like I don't know why why that happened, but but whatever. The faces won. Um. And then they had a um a Martina dance off to the to the. To the, to the dance it's funny because Martina when when she was like at her peak let's say was when she was like portrayed as a hero you know mm. yeah um not she like I don't know when how recently this kind of came in but the bumbling fool aspect of her of her character but yeah like I remember 
I'm not cast Martina. Yeah, because she used to just be jerk-ass Martina, very much the Homer Simpson uh, trajectory. Yeah, no, she she used to just be uh, you know session, but she would you know drink cans and but like was like was a good wrestler, you know. And then I guess because uh, you know on Twitter you have a lot of the like the Karen, Karen is stupid. Uh, yeah, gimmick. yeah. That that's kind of incorporated into the character, maybe a little bit, but whatever. Um. So yeah, there. Her, her. I mean, her trajectory. Um, it still remains interesting to me because even though people were way into her tonight, I think this is one of those shows where I don't think people were going. There was not going to be dissension. I think everyone wanted this show to just be uh, what it was, you know. But anyway. Uh, the second match was uh, Veda Scott versus Valkyrie versus Raven Creed, which I mean I've I've espoused my distaste for for Veda Scott on this show before. I was worried that the other two girls, who I think are pretty good but are obviously uh, new, uh, might struggle to to uh, uh, you know rescue the match with her in it. But it was actually pretty good. First of all, they they hid Veda Scott quite a bit. She did not do a whole lot. Um, which is good. Raven Creed continues to be fantastic. She's a, a tremendous Tivoli act. Um, great heel and Valkyrie uh, look great. Valkyrie did all her kind of athletic spots. She did her springboard elbow, or, or sorry, her handspring elbow. She was, did a springboard, you know, um, crossbody, uh, springboard uh, leg drop, and she won with a standing moonsault. So, um, they made a, a match or two for the next show, but they have not yet made a women's match. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with that women's title on the next show. So we will uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Club Tropicana and Colt Cabana faced more than hype. Uh, this was the debut of uh, Tropicana as a full team in the in the Tivoli. Yeah. Uh, Jose Idol was there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hilarious. I, as someone who would really not like to follow a promotion where he's regularly featured in 2018. I love Colt Cabana's one-off appearances in OTT. He comes over here once a year. He, they usually put him in the exact perfect match. It's great. Everyone laughs, and then he leaves for a year. Yeah. Um, it is perfect small doses. Um, it was great. Obviously, I'm not, it was all comedy. It was all comedy. Uh, um, uh, the, the, the peak of it was probably um, uh, Captain Sexy demanding that he faced the sexiest member of More Than Hype, and uh, Nathan Martin tagged himself in, and everyone booed and chanted for Darren Carney. Um, I don't know why, but the room decided that Darren Carney was the sexiest man on the team, so mm, fair enough. Okay. Uh, well, do, do you disagree? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> do you think Nathan Martin's a, a handsome young man? Yeah, I might even have I might even have Carney Carney third in that list. Ooh, controversial! Ah. Controver- he likes the hair. Paul likes the hair. They're all they're all good looking oh. boys. Let's 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 just wow. get get that out there. But they're good looking lads. But um, yeah, this yeah. is great. Uh, uh, obviously, I'm not going to just like recap all because it was all it was all shtick. It was all jokes, and so I'm not going to just sit here and recap it. But. Uh, uh, the Tropicana won. So there you, you go. recall this is the match that you were, you told me like a few weeks ago. Did you hear what's on the show? And I, I oh yeah, I reacted scoffed. with total scorn. <laughs> happy well, happy I, hair I, was good. Happy hair was good. I, uh, yeah, more than hype are just 
they're really coming into their own with the character stuff. They really, really are, and it's it's great to see. And obviously, uh, Tropicana are that's all they are. They're all all shtick uh, in a good way. I'm not. I don't mean that derisively, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Mike Bailey beat Angelico in a good match. Um, uh, not on the level of your Mike Bailey, Matt Riddle, Mike Bailey, Jordan Devlin. Um, I just I don't quite get Angelico. I just don't. We've talked about it on this show before. This match was really good. Angelico did a lot of cool stuff. He he focused on Bailey's knees, obviously, because ba- Bailey has a lot of like leg based offense. Uh, there was a spot early on where Bailey went for his uh, shooting star knee drop on the floor, and Angelico moved. Um, and and Helico was putting him in all these crazy, you know, kind of lucha libre twisty leg submissions. Looked very cool, but it was it was it was just a level below a, a Mike Bailey epic. Right. Uh, but it was very good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And it also had that problem that OTT has sometimes, where it's two imports, and people love Bailey, and they kind of are like polite about Helico, but no one's really going crazy for the guy. Mm. Um, so the heat was not on the level of like the Riddle match. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was a, it was a great little mid card match. Then, right, Paul, not to be dramatic. Then we had like probably one of the best matches in OTT history. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Rapture came out. They did, of course, come out to three lions. Uh, Zach Gibson had, I believe, uh, someone told me on Twitter what it was. He had some. Uh, version like it's not the typical it's not the current day england shirt he had some uh, uh england shirt of some repute charlie sterling like he was about to glass someone had the england face paint on he had his entire face painted up uh in the england flag everyone was very angry very very. i saw angry. a yeah, picture of charlie sterling with the yeah face paint on and it struck me that he's he looked more like like a little child then it, it, for whatever reason the, the 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 red stripe he had was very very thin <laughs> he looked like a little kid it didn't look aggressive it looked like like intentionally silly to me well that's i mean that's charlie sterling well yeah i mean that's the point but um so everyone is very angry this is like one of the more heat i mean Gib- gibson always gets crazy heat this is one of the more heated um uh, uh, reactions he's had in some time. So obviously he's talking shit. Everyone's everyone's loudly yelling. Uh, out come the Angel Cruisers. The match was supposed to be the Cruisers versus the Rapture, but uh, Tony Watts' face said at the beginning of the show the Rapture showed up with a third man. So the Cruisers should get a third man, and it'll be a six man match. Okay. So uh, the Cruisers come out, and then Gibson says, "Hang on, hang on. We've got our our sixth man." Everyone, uh, uh, you know, everyone goes quiet. And the Gymnasty's old music hits. <gasps> and uh, there was speculation, obviously, with this maybe being the last one. It's like, is Justy coming back on this show? Is, is Justy coming back on this show? So the Gymnasty's music hit. I was like, they're not putting they're not putting Justy with the Brits. That doesn't make sense. But who should come out but Sammy D, the, the former partner of Be Cool. Mm. Uh, he came out. Um, and so he was aligned with uh, with the the Brits, and Gibson was like t- like the most old school, like can't be healed. Was pointing to his head like he was a genius, like he got Beagle's head. He was he was great. Gibson is just tremendous. Gibson is just absolutely tremendous. So um, Angel Cruz gets on the mic and he says, "Oh yeah, well I've I've got a secret weapon, and it's better than any weapon I've ever pulled from under the ring." And the the music, the lights go down. And they, they, they played some kind of dramatic intro music, like building up to an entrance song. 
and everyone's chanting for Justy, like full bore, the whole building's chanting for Justy. And what hits, but can you feel my heart? An unannounced Peter Dunn appearance in the Tivoli, which this got a pop on the, on the it com- comparable to the, the surprise Marty Skrull pop when he faced Matt Riddle in uh, last yeah, year. I remember, I was there. Uh, com- comparable to that. The place was shaking. People were fucking hugging. Like they, like, they had just won the World Cup. People were jumping up and down at this surprise Pete Dunne appearance. Um, and, and just like last month, I mean, he's doing his entrance, and people are singing along with the song, and they're chanting Bruiserweight, and they're, like, drowning the music out. It was absolutely raucous. So they had a crazy, crazy match. All the, kind of, all the usual kind of uh, uh, wackiness you, you would expect. Um, you had Team Prick being like mesmerized by Pete Dunne uh, doing the, the bruiserweight pose. You had Angel pulling out his axe. Be Cool pulled out a gun at one point. Uh, everyone chanted, Be Cool's got a gun to the tune of Three Lions. They, and then they did all their silliness, and then they came down to their near falls, and it was, um, it was just great. It was like the match they had in May. Great heat for the near falls. Everyone wanted the cruisers to win. Um, and so they did eventually win. They vanquished the Brits. The Angel Cruisers are the number one contenders for the tag team titles. They'll face the Kings of the North in August. Uh, there was a great spot with a reaction, Paul, kind of like when Jordan and Walter squared off last month, where Sammy D whipped Be Cool with his uh, weightlifter belt gimmick that he wears. Right. And so Be Cool took off his belt and whipped him back. And then they went nose to nose in the ring and everyone got on their feet and cheered. And they basically did a chop exchange, but with their belts, they whipped the bejesus out of each other. They were covered in wells, the two of them. Uh, so, so anyway, they won the match. Sammy D was wearing these, frankly, hideous. Uh, they were like a, a heel version of the old gymnasty gear. So basically they were leggings that said squat all across them, but they were black. So there was black right. with white lettering on them. And uh, I'm not sure if this was a, a, a work or it was just a coincidence given what they were about to do. But the banner that hung from the stage seats, you know, they usually have an OTT logo banner hanging from the stage. Yeah. It kept fucking falling. So the ring crew were having, like from the first match, it was falling and falling and falling. And so the ring crew were having to, to pin it back up and pin it back up and pin it back up. After this match, everyone's looking at the Angel Cruiser celebrating in the ring. Be Cool looks to the ring. The banner has fallen and it's on top of one of the heels. And you can just see the, the, the <laughs> aforementioned hideous black leggings that they squat across them in the ring. So they grab the person, thinking it's Sammy D, throw him in the ring. He's covered in, 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 the, in the, the tarp that they have the logo on. And Bikul's getting ready to beat him up, throws the cover off. And who is it? But it's Justy standing in the middle of the ring uh, like a fucking ghost. And, of course, everyone comes to, to their feet, screams and shouts like they've seen a ghost. It was the perfect swerve because everyone thought they were getting him in the match. They got the, they got the you know, I don't want to say better, but they got, they got the, an even bigger surprise in an unannounced Pete Dunne appearance. And then they were satiated. They were like, okay, no more surprises in this match. We've got everything. People bought, did, bought that it was no one special under the fucking the tarp until he took it off. And they popped like crazy. And then, really intriguing. I, I love what they did here. He reveals it's Justy and then the lights go off and the lights come back up and Justy's gone. So they didn't have a brawl, they didn't do a spot, they didn't do anything. He just had a comeback moment and then left. So I don't know if he's going to be back. I don't know if he's going to do a match. I don't know if this was literally just an appearance for the last show. 
yeah, because like that's what because we were. Every, so everyone kind of expected he was going to be there. He was being really unsubtle with regards to not being on this show and wishing he could be on the show um, and all this other stuff. He did the old uh, Beyond the Mat lifting weights on the trampoline. Mm, mm. <laughs> I'm not booked, Terry. And everyone was just very curious. Like I think most people kind of guessed he would be there. But I didn't, to be honest. I didn't think he would be there. I think we had we had this conversation outside the Tivoli yeah, one time, and you said to me, "For the last one, do you think they'll have him back?" And I said, "I don't think they will." And that's, I mean, that is a reasonable stance because look, it doesn't seem like they've. I mean, from listening to that podcast a few weeks ago, it doesn't exactly seem like they've mended any fences or anything. But um, but anyway, um, uh, it was just very interesting to me that they didn't interact. It was, and 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 again. You could just do it as a one-off thing, but you could also bring it back because there was like intrigue. Like he didn't attack. Well, he that's didn't the thing him. is, he is didn't. you've brought him back now, and now there's going to be chance nonstop. You know, uh, but well, not only that, but now, as you say, now there's an intrigue. Now there's a, a what happens next? You know, and if if what happens next is nothing, that's a letdown. I think that's a big letdown. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, whatever, whatever you think of, of Justy, and I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big Justy guy, and I'm very, very happy to potentially hear that he is back. Um, as you say, I think the way they've done it was very clever, and even on social media, there's no, there's no photos of it, there's no videos of it anywhere. Mm. It's just hearsay, and and word of mouth as a promotional tool is nearly, you know, as important as as gifts and as videos you know and that's the thing there's always i think there's a i think there is a video of pete's entrance because when people you know when you're at Oats team people know there's a surprise coming they get the phone out they want to hear the pop because it's always raucous in there um you know but again it's like it's like i said again and we it's such a weird detail to be debating but like the the like that evening like after the show we're all having pints we're like so was the tarp falling a work or is that just a coincidence? Because it kept falling during the show. So no one paid any notice when there was someone underneath it after that match. It's like, oh, fucking Sammy D rolled to the floor and the tarp fell on him. It's no big deal. Like, who cares? At the same and time. Sorry to cut you off. No, go on, go At on. the same time, if it was just a one and done deal, you probably just have him. The, the, the cruise is given the finish and he's never seen again you know the fact that they did the, like the lights off and he's gone before anything can happen i mean i wasn't there but suggests to me that there's more to come yeah absolutely um i think they should i think i mean look i i mean like we were we were always of the opinion that like fucking whatever whatever hatchet needs to be buried should just be buried i mean you know it's 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 been long it's been, especially cuz it's been long enough it's been nearly a year at this stage he didn't like, fucking diddle someone or something it's nothing exactly <laughs> just exactly. being yeah. fucking adults and shake hands and let's continue giving the crowd what they want for god's sake so uh so that was great i mean the the reveal specifically was definitely one of the best things they've done because no one saw it coming um and and the pete dunn thing kind of got justy out of their heads so yeah i thought beginning to end this was one of the best ott things they've ever done uh and the pop for for the victory as well was huge so that was great uh, at intermission, they announced Club Tropicana versus Aussie Open for WrestleRama, okay. uh, which would be good, I would say. Uh, after intermission, Corvin beat Lucky Kid from WXW. Uh, good match. This was 
more so than the Maxer match last month. This was like I think this was Corbin like really trying to have a real top notch semi main event, like a real banger of a match. And I think he had it. I thought this was his best singles match um, that I've seen to date. Um, it was really great. Uh, Lucky was obviously you know in in a, in a tough position where I, I had seen him before, and a lot of people I was with had seen him before, but he did not have the support in the building, obviously that like a guy like Corbin who's been there forever would have. Uh, but the crowd got way into him as the match went on. He got please come back chance. Right. Um, both guys did really well. Uh, Corbin continues to do well on his uh, his single run. This was this was this was the most promising uh, I, I've seen of him so far. Um, he won with this uh, uh, combination of basically he had a superplex. He floats through, tosses the guy in the corner, yakuza kick, and then catches him in a suplex and hits a face buster. Uh, yeah, it was good. I'm interested to see now for what they have Kings of the North do a WrestleRama because they seem to be starting to lean into this singles run for Corvin. Mm. Well, so the cruisers are challenging for the titles, but obviously that could be Duncan and uh, Bonesaw. I'd imagine it would probably be Corvin and Bonesaw if if, if it's a two on two deal. Yeah, I wish it, which it will be. I would say yeah, because I don't think I don't think Pete's booked. But uh, but yeah, then we got a uh, uh, Walter versus Sean Guinness, Sean Maxer Guinness. Walter had the PWG title, which is really cool. Yeah. Got to see that IRL with my own eyes. Um, this was like a nice preview for the Jordan match. Kind of like the last one. There was a bit of a heat, uh, not just the actual physical heat in the building. Uh, <laughs> crowd were like not as into this as they were like the Jordan-Walter exchanges last month. Because obviously Max was just back. They haven't really done a whole lot with him. He's just kind of having matches. But as the match got on and Walter was just beating the bejesus out of him, he was great when he was selling. He was great at getting sympathy and in the in the never say die role. And obviously the size disparity because because Guinness is not a tall guy. Um, uh, and Walter Walter towers over the entire roster, but, but Maxer is 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 uh, is a fairly small guy. So um, also this was different in the sense that this was not a like a chop fest. I think Walter hit one chop. It was more of a you know just big forearms, big boots. Uh, tossing him around the ring, like hitting the butterfly suplex on him. It was it was really, really fantastic. They played off the size dynamic well. They played off the finish of last month where uh, Walter basically had uh, Guinness in a seated position. He clubbed him in the chest, put him in the sleeper, and Guinness actually floated through into a pin. Mm. Uh, but Walter got out of it. And uh, the finish was Walter basically winning by stoppage. He got, this, he got the chokehold on a second time. And uh, Guinness, he didn't tap, but he passed out. So the, uh, the the build for Walter continues. So this this turned into a really great match in the end, and also a, a nice little appetite wetter for the uh, for the August show. I would say with Walter versus uh, Devlin. Yeah. And in the main event, uh, Walter retained over Haskins in a match that also felt like again. This is what I mentioned earlier. With it felt like a series finale for the Tivoli because they went they went they were having. One of their, they were having their best match together, but they were also having one of the best Haskins matches I've seen in, in quite a while. They were having a great match, and then it all went very Attitude Era, um, uh, for the finish, which live everyone loved. I would be, I don't know that it's going to translate at all on VOD. So basically, Jordan's doing his entrance. Haskins does a suicide dive on him, and they, that's the pace of the match. They are going full bore from the beginning. Uh, Jordan hits a moonsault outside the ring to the floor, but he sells like he uh, tweaked his knee. Uh, and this was this was brilliant selling. Only for the fact Haskins then started working the leg. I actually thought he was seriously hurt. Uh, but you know, when you, you know when the wrestler goes for it, you're like, oh, okay, it's part of the match. Um, 
So he's he's working the leg, teasing the sharpshooter, working him over, working him over, working him over. Um, they're go, they're going through their near falls. Jordan hits the package pile driver. Uh, uh, he goes for the pin, but uh, the Rapture of all people run out and uh, uh, pull Jordan off the pin, uh, break up the match. Haskins gets the world title uh, um, uh, from ringside. Uh, tries to hit Jordan with it. Uh, the Angel Cruisers come out to chase off uh, uh, the Rapture. Um, uh, oh, there was another. Wait, I think there was another running. I'm trying to. I'm going through my notes here. Uh, Rapture Cruisers. Okay, yeah. No, the the Angel Cruisers come in, but they get laid out. Sammy D hits uh, Be Cool with the title. Then Trent Martina and Pete Dunn come out and they chase off the Rapture. Um, and then. Uh, uh, Foxy comes to and they have their you know that that part of an attitude era main event where it's all slow three counts and everyone's kicking out at 2.99 yeah uh, Has- Haskins low blows Foxy at one point like they they did a million things in this in this ending thing um because I because again like everyone but everyone went ballistic for all of it um uh, can't remember specifically what the finish was and Devlin hit a package pile driver I can't remember if he if he like scored a belt shot or something just beforehand, but uh, he, he he eventually got the pin anyway. Everyone went crazy. It was wild. It's I don't know that this is going to translate to VOD because uh, it was I think it was very much kind of a more for the live audience. But the the match in the lead up to all the shenanigans was really top notch. Uh, so Devlin won. Excellent performance from Devlin specifically. His selling was 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 tremendous. Uh, and then the show ended with Walter coming out. And they literally pointed to the sign. They they pointed to the WrestleRama sign, and uh, OGT confirmed on Twitter that it's a singles match, Walter versus Devlin for August. So there you go. Um, uh, and for those, it, it, obviously, Haskins has his uh, money in the bank gimmick. Um, he did not come out with it on this show, which tells me they're doing the thing where they want you to maybe forget about it, maybe forget he maybe forget he has it, so that when he uses it, you're you're caught off guard. Right. That was my yeah, my interpretation of it because he originally the poster had him has him Devlin and Walter on on level made it look like that was the main event. Then they put out a new poster that just has doesn't have Haskins on it at all actually. Um, so you know it's it's, it's an easy it's an easy prediction, but I I think a lot of people are thinking Jordan survives uh, uh, Walter and then uh, Haskins cashes in, but we'll see. And that was that. It was a great show. I I, I look forward to, to your thoughts if you get around to watching it, Paul. I watched uh, it this week. When it comes out, uh, specifically on the on the Angel Cruisers match, that one I would say will translate just because I mean, it, like like it was so bonkers. But the all I mean, I I don't know anyone if you're like watching a VOD, how much time you have for like run-ins and and all that other stuff. But but yeah, uh, that was OTT, and so that was uh, possibly the last Tivoli show. Um, uh, we'll see. Uh, but but yeah. If it was, they went out the best possible way. So me and a friend of mine actually said in the pub after the show, that was such a perfect ending for the building that if it was the last ever OTT show period, it would have been the perfect send-off. Like, it was, it was, it was perfect. Thankfully, that's not the case, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that is, uh, that's, that's your, your, your wrestle guff for this week, and I think that's going to be the show um, uh, for this week, unless there's anything I'm forgetting. Hmm, not sure. I think that's I think we've done enough for today. They're, they're satisfied. Yeah. They've had yes. enough. One more siren just for good luck. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Just yeah, blah, blah. yeah. Just you know. Um, so busy night. Must be hot weather. 
I think it's, I think it's getting to people. You know what I mean? Hot weather, a few drinks. Hey, you know, football coming home. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's a lot to take on. Anyway, mm-hmm. speaking of football coming home, no show next Sunday. I would just keep your eye on at Pod on Twitter. Um, you know, we'll announce the show. There'll be a show next week in some capacity. Yeah. It just depends on what yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also follow, you know, Griff Ted and Paul Griffin CSP and at the Baronhead for, for updates. I'll be watching the remaining World Cup games, or at least the England ones. Um, you know, so we'll all have uh, updates, I'm sure. And go to chairshoppodcast.com to send us an email. So, with all that said, it's going to be goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's going to be goodbye from Joe Tower. Goodbye. And it's going to be goodbye. 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 <laughs>